everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. and welcome to a new episode of my K-drama podcast. Today, I'm going to be chatting with you guys about a K-drama called At a Distance, Spring is Green. So this show is from 2021. It is, I want to say, slice of life kind of college campus drama. There's obviously a fair amount of romance thrown in, but I think you kind of start thinking it's a romance drama, but really I think the core and for me, the most interesting relationship in this drama is a friendship between the two main dudes, um, which I really, really liked and found very interesting. Um, so this drama is only 12 episodes, so it's it's a pretty short little drama. Um, and I'd say it's very gentle and slow and, I don't know, very, very character focused. I think slice of life is a good way to kind of describe it. There isn't a huge plot. It's more about characters, you know, getting over traumas and forming different types of relationships, you know, whether that's romantic or friendship um, and really, I don't know, just changing and healing, I suppose, realistically. Um, so at a distance, spring is green. Why did I watch it? Uh, so I saw this one, you know, when it first came out, I just saw it being advertised. You know, I always check all the casting websites. So I I like to know everything that's coming out soon so I can, um, clear my schedule and know what I want to watch. Um, and I started seeing some, you know, trail, um, not so much trailers, but like, you know, posters and stuff for this drama. And I felt (laughs) extremely unsure that I wanted to watch it for a very, very superficial reason in that every single male character in this drama, I thought had the most insane and ridiculous hair. And I was like, I just don't know. I just don't know. So there's kind of um, a trio of main characters in this and the main sort of mainest of the main dudes <laughs> is played by an actor called Park Ji-hoon. And he has, you know, he has the, the blonde peroxide hair um, in this one. And I don't know, like he's a very pale dude and his hair's very pale and he's just very, I don't know, like (laughs) it was a lot. (laughs) Let's just go with that. I felt unsure. Um, but I, (laughs) it's also embarrassing how I got over my embarrassing issue with the drama that originally I didn't want to watch it because of the hair, but then, um, I, 
<laughs> I was watching um, My Roommate is a Gumiho and was quite taken with the second male lead in that drama played by the actor Ben Hock and started following him around K-drama land and realised that he was in this drama at a distance, Springer's Green. So I didn't watch it when it was currently airing, but I did watch it very soon after, um, basically as soon as I realised Ben Hock was in it. Um, but also, it was recommended to me. I still felt very unsure about it. Terrible, isn't it? Like how much, you know, fashion or style. If it's not to your taste, you're like, hmm, I don't know about that. I don't know, maybe that's just me. But um, it was recommended to me um, by a lovely podcast listener called Curlin, who did say it was you know, it was worth my time and it was a good show. Um, so I'm really glad that she said that because I feel like I had some prejudices against it and maybe wouldn't have started. Although I have to say the fact that the actor Ben Hock was in it, like I was already kind of there at that point. Um, so that's basically why I watched it. Oh, immortalized on the internet, my embarrassing reasons. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about the casting of At A Distance Spring is Green or a little bit more than I just did. So there's kind of three main characters and I think there's a male lead who's sort of got the biggest billing and then the, the other two are sort of just below. But then when I think about it, this is sort of my feelings around the drama, which I'll kind of go into more as I, you know, talk about it. I do feel like I really enjoyed the female lead when I was watching the show and she did feel like a big part of the show. But in hindsight, when I look back on what I liked about it and what I felt was the most important aspects of the show, like in terms of themes and ideas, it really all comes down to this, you know, burgeoning, 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 <laughs> developing friendship uh, between the two main boys in the drama. And realistically, it's their relationship that tugs at your heartstrings, that you feel most emotion around. And I think realistically, it is the weight of the drama. Like it is what carries the show. Um, this very slowly and very push and pull and very complex and complicated relationship between these two young men as they, you know, eventually kind of bridge this gap and become friends. And so, so I think because I feel like most of the big emotional moments in the show really happen between the two boys, to me, the female lead just sort of, you know, she just kind of faded into the background a bit. Like, I don't know if that's how it felt when I was watching the show because she's on screen a lot. And she certainly has an important role to play. But certainly when I think about the drama now, I you know, it's, uh, it's actually been, it's been a couple weeks since I finished it cause I was away for a bit. Um, but yeah, when I think about the drama now in hindsight, she is not kind of what springs to mind for me. It's really just that complicated relationship between the two dudes. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I did like her in it. Um, so anyway, I was jumping all around. I was meant to be telling you guys about casting. <laughs> I really got off topic. Okay. So, um, the male lead in this drama is played by an actor called Park and his character's name is June. So the actor Park Ji-hoon, I thought I recognized him, but I couldn't tell. And he, I've realized now that I had actually seen him in another drama. He played sort of a main, um, but quite prominent side character in the, I don't know when it came out, like 2019, maybe the drama, uh, marriage agency, Joseon Flower Crew, <laughs> 
Joseph and Flower Marriage Agency. That one, that drama, uh, which I quite enjoyed that drama. And I do remember him in that. He plays, you know, the very cutesy sort of flower boy member who's just very, you know, obsessed with himself <laughs> and how pretty he is, I want to say, but very likable in that. Um, but I didn't really realize it was the same actor while I was watching this. Um I did like Park Ji-hoon in this. Um, again, the hair was a real hurdle for me. And it's not like I'm against peroxide blonde hair. I've seen that all the time in dramas and I'm totally cool with that and often really like it. But for some reason, <laughs> I had such an issue with every male character's hair in this drama. Like, really, it was a problem for me for some reason. I was like, why? Why have you done this to this man? I just don't understand. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, I, that was an issue for me. I was like, what's going on? Um, but another kind of weird thing for me with Park Ji-hoon in this drama is that I felt like, I mean, obviously his character has a lot of trauma in his past, um, but I had this thing with his eyes throughout the whole drama that I thought that this man looked like he was about to cry. Like constantly I'm like, oh, is he is he about to cry? And obviously there would be a situation where that isn't an appropriate reaction <laughs> to what was going on in the drama. And I'm like, is he about to cry? And then he wouldn't like, and it, that wouldn't be what was going on. And I'd be like, huh, this is very confusing. <laughs> so I don't know if it's just me or what, but that was weird for me. <laughs> All right. So, um, but I did like him in it. Um, although, you know, to be fair, I was here because of Ban Hyok. So obviously I was uh, more interested in, but also that character, Ban Hyok's character suited me better as well. Okay. So I guess I'll move on to Ban Hyok. This is an insane discussion. I'm very sorry. I'm jumping all over the place. So the actor Ban Hyok, who is of course from Kiss Goblin, <laughs> and my roommate is a Gumiho, playing the second male lead in that. He plays in this a character called Nam Soo Hyun. So Soo Hyun is another college student, um, goes to the same like university as our main character June, and the whole thing is about a friendship between these two dudes. Look, I love Ban Hyok. I love him a lot. I think he's great. Um, whatever he's in, I'm gonna give it a go and watch it now. He's you know, he's new, but I think he's excellent. But he had stupid hair in this drama as well. It was so helmety and so flat and so straight and so like just straight across the eyes you know no eyebrows in sight the whole drama just very severe and I was kind of like huh that's you know it's very very flat and then I wasn't actually looking at behind the scenes photos but I did see I think on Instagram or something I don't know a photo from behind the scenes of like all the main characters in this you know just smiling in between scenes and I realized that the actor, Ben Hock, you know, the, the hair and makeup people had these like little clips on him between scenes to make sure that his hair was even flatter than, you know, than it would be otherwise. Like, so they, they deliberately decided to style this man with the flattest flat, flat hair that has ever flattered. And I was like, I don't understand. This man is a very handsome man. Why did they put this thing on his head like this? Oh, so <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Um, then, and then the female lead is played by an actress called Kang Mina. So Kang Mina, I had definitely recognized her face. She played um, Moon Ga Yong's 
best friend in the Korean drama True Beauty that came out, I don't know when, was that a 2020 drama? Was that even from this year? Was it 2021? Who knows? I'm not looking it up. But she plays um, just one of the high school students that the main character in True Beauty becomes really good friends with uh, in that drama. So I quite liked her in that drama. And I kind of talked a bit about my feelings around the female lead in this one. I did really like her, but I also felt that she she felt much less important and integral to to uh, kind of what I'm taking away as the main themes of this story. Although she has a very sweet romance uh, with Park Ji Hoon's character June, the main kind of male lead in this, that it, it, you know it was really sweet. But they kind of get together, and then I think the focus of the drama kind of moves off them a little bit maybe once they actually you know get through the romance and sort out their differences and then I think it's just very solely focused elsewhere and I felt like she sort of took a back seat to the point where all the big emotional moments particularly with June and these kind of traumas he's trying to get over and these these things happening in his life were all more happening you know around his best friend Nam Soo Hyun instead of her so interesting choice and I didn't mind that but it just made me feel you know, just less emotionally attached attached to her, I think. So there's a few other faces in here that were new for me that I quite liked um, and one that had mad hair. So I guess I'll mention him. Um, so I guess I'll go with him first. So there was an actor called Che uh, Jong Che Jong U, Che Jong U, uh, playing a character called Hong Chan Ki. So he is a side character and basically he's best friends with the female lead Sobin. And Sobin has been crushing on this dude since they were at, I don't know, since they were kids, since they were at school together. And this guy was a new face for me, this actor playing Tanki. And he had he had pretty crazy hair. And on top of his crazy hair, his hair wasn't that crazy. I guess it was a little bit more normal than the other two boys. Maybe. I don't know. It's a bit crazy. But he had some crazy clothes, like some very, very loud clothes. I think the whole way to describe this entire character is just, you know, dial that up to 100. Everything was loud. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, He was okay. So then there was uh, another side character that I really liked, played by an actress that I hadn't seen before, who I really, really liked. Um, And so this is the actress Kwon Eun Bin. So Kwon Eun Bin, I looked up, you know, stuff that she's been in and she has been in a few things that I've seen, but I think very tiny roles and nothing that, you know, particularly made her stand out for me that I remember her from them because I think they're very small. Um, So I really, really liked her in this. I liked her character in this as she plays a character called Yongran, who is, you know, roommates with Sobin at university along with another girl. And Yongran is also a long-term friend of um, Ban Hyuk's character Suhyun and is completely in love with him, which, you know, that's very much, I think, a bit of a trope, you know, best friends where one of them's in love with the other one secretly is always, is always a thing that I can't move past. So I did really like, I didn't love the end of that storyline, but I really, really liked all the stuff around that storyline. Um, so I think that's probably enough about the casting. Um, oh, there's a few other faces in here that I think people will recognize. And then the only other one that I probably should mention is that the actor Nanu um, also has sort of like a bit of a cameo role, but it's a recurring and then he kind of comes into it a bit bigger at the end. He plays a character called Junwan, who is our male lead's older brother. 
So Nainu, the actor, is, of course, he plays the second male lead in Mr. Queen, and he also took over the main male lead role in River Where the Moon Rises with the actress Kim So-hyun. Um, and I should point out that in this drama, Nainu has mad hair. Like, why is his hair so mad? It's quite... It's quite mushroomy, but also asymmetrical. Like it's not, it's not straight. It's kind of like down, but he's meant to be, you know, like a young, serious professor. And I'm like, why is his hair so pointy if he's a young, serious professor? I don't know, guys. I don't know. I feel like the female hair in this was just, it looked like hair. I was okay with it. I was like, yep, that's some hair on that woman's head. But then when it came to all the dudes, I was like, what? Why? <laughs> All these handsome men and they're just like, I don't know. It was weird. So I had a real issue with the hair for about, I want to say about two episodes where I, every time someone came on screen, I was like, what? What? And then I feel like I got, what's that thing? Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome? Like, I feel like it, I just got used to it and suddenly I was like, nah, it's fine. It's all good. I like the hair. The hair looks great. Um, so I think this drama kind of just manipulated me into thinking that everything was okay. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was weird. But it was fine. I got over it. So it's all good. I'll try not to mention it too much while I discuss this drama. But I can't make any promises. Uh, so should you watch At a Distance, Spring is Green? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's worth your time. I think that this drama is quieter in a lot of ways than I expected. It's not like, you know, a hijinksy. I mean, there's a bit of hijinks, there's a bit of romance in here, but it is a little bit more leaning towards slice of life in some ways. And I think it's a bit of a healing drama in terms of characters getting over their traumas. But I think the thing that made it stand out for me and make it what made it worth watching to me was that it has some very, very interesting discussions and I think ideas around theme on, uh, I don't know, an examination of, I think the main theme in this or the main question this drama is like posing is, you know, if someone is extremely poor, like no money, like living well below the poverty line and someone else has a lot of money, like living way, way above being rich, can those two people bridge that gap? Like, can they find a middle ground? Can they be truly friends? And what does that friendship look like? And what does that mean if someone has more money than the other one? And I thought it was a very, very interesting kind of look at at that in a way that I suppose was very interesting to me. And I suppose I have like some sort of, oh, I don't want to say prejudices around this kind of stuff, but you know, I guess I didn't grow up with a lot of money. And I suppose you do have certain ideas about, you know, someone as rich as say, you know, June is the main character in this. And I thought it was very interesting the way that character was really peeled apart throughout the whole drama and my perspective on him changed a lot throughout the show. And I think all the characters or the two main male leads in this are very interesting and complex people that I really enjoyed spending this time with. Um, I found them very interesting and I found the questions posed by their friendship very interesting. So I don't know, I think it's worth a watch for almost the character study of it and just the ideas around 
you know, those themes, I think. Um, it sounds kind of crazy. It's still a K-drama. It's still got all the K-drama-y stuff. There's still all that kind of stuff, um, which was great. But those were the parts that I found, I think, most fascinating. Um, all right, so I'm going to move into a little bit of setup for At A Distance, Spring is Green. Okay, so this is a bit of setup, but I actually should have mentioned that At A Distance, Spring is Green is based on a webcomic as well um, by a writer called G. Nyum. Nyum? I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. It's written in English and I feel like that doesn't sound correct, but whatever. So um, this drama, I think, is like I said, you know, it's a little bit slice of lifey, so it's not heavily plotted it's much more about relationships so I think the drama really opens and centers around uh, the female lead Kang Minah's character Sobin so I can't remember for the life of me but I'm pretty sure she's in third year at university what's she studying economics business something who knows whatever doesn't matter probably <laughs> sorry <laughs> so Sobin is very quiet very timid a bit of a I want to say a bit of a pushover, um, not like in a derogatory way, but just in a way that I don't think she's really capable of being confident enough to go out there and get the things that she wants. And I think she's struggling with those aspects quite a lot. I think that she's a little bit overlooked. Um, so her big problem is that she's in her, I think in her last year of university and she is very worried about what kind of jobs she's going to be able to get when she leaves because, you know, her resume isn't very good. She hasn't like done all this extra curricular kind of stuff and her grades are just very, very average. Like she's passing, but she's not, you know, hugely excelling. And she's working hard, but she doesn't feel like, you know, she's not going to be a big star or anything like that. I really liked this. I really liked, I want to say the normalness and the averageness of her position in life. I feel like that is very relatable to a lot of people because I think, you know, a huge amount of people are just in the middle of things and it's not it doesn't tend to be the kind of characters we focus on in stories I think this, the kind of characters we focus on in stories are to the more extremes of experiences because you know there's something to say about those things there's something interesting to discuss and of course the two male leads in this drama are to the extremes one's extremely rich and one's extremely you know well under the poverty line. Um, but Sobin's very much in the middle. So I really liked her and the things she was struggling with. But I have to say, by the end of the drama, I did not feel like those things were resolved. I did not feel like sh she might have gained some confidence, but I don't really know if she had. She'd, she'd gained a boyfriend that she felt really happy with. Um, and she had sort of improved, I guess, in being able to um, be the leader in, say, like a group project at university. And she had been able to get up and you know, do a presentation and kind of stand up for herself when some people were heckling her. So like there is an improvement, but at the same time, I didn't feel like her core worry had been resolved. And her core worry was, what the fuck's going to happen to me when I leave university next year? Like I've got no prospects. Um, and I don't feel like she had better prospects at the end of this show than she did at the beginning. And I also feel like she has the added problem of having a boyfriend who is going to remain at university for quite a few more years as she has to go out and 
have a go at real life. And I, I kind of imagine that would be pretty difficult for her and also a strain on their relationship in the future. But there you go. That was me jumping to the end for her character. Um, that's because I think all the main stuff I'm going to talk about is less about her. So I'll just say that now. So Sobin at university basically starts having interactions with two different people. Um, so she, I think one of these extracurricular things, I don't know if she gets kind of forced into it or what, I can't even remember. But anyway, she, you know, at the start of university in any Korean drama, they all go to these like kind of like orientation week sort of big get to know you's that are basically mad drink drink things where everyone just has to drink heaps of alcohol and I'm just always like oh whoa that looks awful but anyway Sobin has to go but she's going as like a you know like a, a senior moderator like someone who's there to sort of just um I guess look after the younger students or whatever and then you know they're not much younger than her by any means but she's there along with um one of the male leads so Ban Hyok's character Nam Soo Hyun so Nam Soo Hyun is a university student in the same year as her, but he is absolutely excelling at everything. He's very, very good, but he is not, he's not, he's, he's not warm. He's not open. He has no friends. He is so ultra focused on his goals and his goal is clearly to graduate uni with the highest marks that he can. Um, but he's also, you know, as the drama progresses, we find out more about this character. And that is that he is kind of the breadwinner of his family. He has a younger brother who, you know, is also out of school, but is much more um, immature, I suppose, in that, you know, he needs a lot of looking after and he's not thinking about money and thinking about sending money back to their mom, who I think is in the countryside somewhere and is unwell at times and having a, like they've got a lot of problems in their family. They all love each other a lot but they you know since we we I kind of like the way the drama didn't they didn't throw this sob story in your face I think you slowly realize it over time so you you kind of see him going to all these part-time jobs and you see him working really late hours and you see see him commuting really really far distances to get to university and get to his jobs and get home and then when he gets home you see that he's in one of those sub basement like tiny little you know shithole apartments where and he's taking care of his brother and his brother is meant to be studying but he's you know he's sort of not doing the right thing and you realize that Suhan has this insane responsibility on his shoulders and they never spell it out until like closer to the end but you recognize quite early on that there you know his father is gone um you realize that his father has died and I do love the way that they don't immediately say it you just kind of get all the hints and you piece together what his family backstory is um and without his father obviously he's really had to stand up and take control and there's this part of him you know what he wants is to get through university and make a better life for himself and his family but the pressure on him is to sacrifice his university to work full-time to make money so his brother can can you know excel and study the things that his brother wants to and that he can send money back to his mom who later on in the drama becomes ill so I think that's the whole push and pull with Suhan's character is that he does have this dream 
But the dream is so, you know, he just wants to get a decent enough job that he doesn't have to work, you know, five different part time things. But even that for him going to university to achieve that is a selfish dream in a way. And he's so I guess that the responsibility on him is so intense that the idea of, you know, friends or help, particularly help from outside people to him feels like a power imbalance. And I think that's what the drama is all about. It's that power imbalance in friendships across the divide of having money or not having money and who has power and who doesn't and how a relationship like that can even work. So Suhyun for me was definitely like totally tugs on your heartstrings. Like what you see this character endure and go through is hellish. And he's really... I really, really liked him, but I think it's a very slow peeling back of his character because at the very start, obviously, he's so closed off and so focused that he has no time or spare emotion for anybody. You feel like every ounce of this man's energy is into putting like his next, you know, step ahead of the next one. Like every single step forward is an effort for him. And it's against, you know, all these things that are consistently pulling him back. So he does not have time or extra emotion to spend on other people. Um, But he's also incredibly proud, I suppose. And he wants to be independent And he doesn't want to be complaining or asking for help or, you know, I think he feels a sense of like shame around those different aspects, which we do explore later in the drama, like this idea of what he thinks owing someone means, which is someone having power over him, which is the one thing that he is trying to avoid more than anything. Um, So he's a very isolated and lonely person, basically, Um, but very, very interesting. And when he first meets Sobin, you know, he's very kind of a bit dismissive and Sobin's very quiet, but eventually she sort of gets up the guts to ask because they were part of a group project the year before. And she's kind of like, you know, I had to put together all these materials for the project and I emailed them to you. And you never emailed back and you didn't use them. You just did the whole project by yourself. And she is interested. She's not attacking him or trying to be rude or anything. And she, the amount of guts that she has to get up to even inquire about it was a lot. But I really liked it. I liked that she just wants to know. She is curious about why he did that. She doesn't understand and she needs to know. And that's something about her character is that she's very internalized. She overthinks everything. She overanalyzes everybody and their actions and the things they say. And it's a lot for her to process, which is why I think she has you know, some social difficulties because she really is overthinking and overanalyzing everything. So this is something that has sparked her curiosity. And I kind of like this push and pull in her character in that she is so timid and shy and softly spoken, but there's this need in her to know things to the point where it pushes her past her own kind of shyness to interrogate Suhan around why he did that with the email. And Suhan is very like, 
I think he's been, you know, he's obviously been burnt a lot at university with people just sort of taking advantage of, you know, maybe his work ethic and him always just doing the projects by himself because he only trusts himself. He does not trust other people. Um, And again, that's a huge journey that he goes on, the idea of even opening up to thinking that other people could do something right or help him in any way at all. So uh, in the end, her kind of questioning him eventually does move Suhan into kind of second guessing himself and whether he did the right thing. He's like, I never received the email. And eventually he is driven to check. He realizes he did get the email, that the research she put together was really good and he could have used it. And so I really like it. It's like this initial crack in his armor, this, this idea that maybe what, you know, he wasn't right, maybe. Um, So meanwhile, these two are kind of having just a few little weird interactions, uh, Sobin and Suhan. And then Sobin has also met June. So June, uh, played by Park Ji-hoon, our like crazy head, peroxide man, male lead, is again, a fascinating character. He is, you know, he's one of those, like, you know, he walks around the campus and everyone's like, oh my God, he's a celebrity. So weird. I'm like, people don't really do this, right? With like handsome boys. I'm sure they don't. (laughs) I can't imagine that happening in my country. Like, it'd be so funny. (laughs) Anyway. uh, So June is, you know, he's a freshman. uh, So he's in his first year He's kind of like campus famous, everyone, you know, he's the cutest, best looking, richest, nicest, charmingest man. Um, But what is fascinating about him, also people are interested because he comes from, you know, a really rich, really well-to-do family. Like he's, you know, I think he's just considered to have everything. You know, he's charming, he's nice, he's kind, he's so good looking and he's, you know, comes from this like, you know, amazing, I don't know, family stock or whatever. And the thing that we realize is that June is like crazy damaged um, from his childhood. And eventually throughout the drama, you realize that his trauma centers on the fact that his dad is a complete asshole and bashed him up as a child. And ever since then, you know, he felt that his his brother, his older brother, Nanu of the crazy symmetrical hairdo um, abandoned him. And he's just lived in this cold, affectionless, you know, very rich, but terrifying tension-filled house his entire life and now that he's at university you know he's staying in this very swanky kind of student apartment near the university um he's got freedom for the first time and he is kind of figuring out what that means and how to interact with other people and he is so desperate for love like so starved for just any sort of form of caring or kindness or just attention that is positive, that the way that he has kind of styled himself at university was fascinating to me, which is he wants everyone to like him. So he's, you know, overly charming and nice to everybody. And he just dishes out with his money. And of course, as a viewer, you're seeing this and you know that do his friends really like him? Or are they just enjoying the fact that he pays for everything and that they're living really well when they're near him? They're completely taking advantage of him. And June knows it. He does know this, but he chooses to interact in this way anyway because he's so 
just desperate for the scraps that these people are giving him, even though none of it is real. It's all fake. Um, So I found that very, very interesting. I found June's character very like filled with contradictions and very, very interesting. And the point of the drama that I feel like the first two episodes for me, I will admit, I felt that I wasn't fully connecting. I wasn't really sure if this drama was going to be for me, if I would be, you know, keeping on going with it. And then there was this kind of point where things changed and became very, very fascinating to me from sort of a character study side. And this is when I started to realize that June was not only using his money to make friends in a very self-aware way, but he also at this point, so he meets Sobin, they have all these different interactions. And then eventually Sobin is kind of like to him, you know, like, I'm not going to like you. I don't have a crush on you. I like someone else. Um, and I really liked this too. I like that she didn't fall for him straight away, but I do wish she'd also taken longer to fall for him later. Um, because I feel like that would have been good for him to kind of earn someone's affection for himself and not just cause, you know, he's pretty and charming, but you know, if they'd taken a bit longer to kind of dig a bit deeper, but anyway, that's fine. Um, So Sobin's been totally crushing on her best friend since childhood, uh, which is this completely mad dude called Chanki. Very loud, dialed up to 1000 dude. (laughs) Um, But what's interesting is that Jun and Sobin become friends. They are able to talk to each other and she, I think, is able to open up to him in, you know, kind of get through a lot of her terror around speaking to people or speaking her mind or being herself. So I did like their friendship. Um, but June does have this like, oh, I want to kind of say nasty streak or this manipulative streak And what happens is that he's sort of encouraging Sobin to confess her love to her friend because her friend Chanky is basically just like, he's walking all over her, like the the full doormat thing. Like, you know, she comes when he calls and he always forgets to come hang out with her and forgets when, you know, she's at his house and just, you know, she's always cleaning up his house after him and totally being taken advantage of. And you know that they are best friends and he cares about her deeply, but he is not, um, you know, he, he's not really realizing what he's got in his best friend. He's taking her for granted. Um, and June is really encouraging Sobin to go and confess to her best friend and let him know that she likes him. But June also, cause the best friend happens to live across like, like literally, like practically they could jump across each other's balconies for some weird reason. I was like, that's a bad design. But anyway, um, so June has had some interactions with this, you know, this mad best friend, Chunky and June, pushes Sobin to go and confess on a particular night that he knows for certain that Chunky will have a woman in his house. Um, And it completely breaks Sobin's heart. She's, you know, all over the place. It's so embarrassing. And June did it on purpose because he didn't want the confession to work. He didn't want Chanki to reciprocate Sobin's feelings and them to get together. He wants Sobin for himself. And at this point, it's not a love thing. It's not a romantic thing. It's just this 
he's so starved of love that I think there's this kind of scary thing there of him gathering these people to him and wanting to have some sort of, I don't know, power in that relationship that they belong to him, not somebody else. And I think that makes sense with the way that he's grown up and that now for the first time, people are treating him nicely, that he's coveting their affection. He wants it all for himself and not for other people. So it's very weird and there's this manipulative thing there. And I was like, oh, that is interesting. It's so fascinating. So eventually these two fall in love and blah, 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 but whatever. So the main kind of whole, I guess, crux of the drama is that June, you know, running around campus, being charming, charming everyone, you know, dishing his money out everywhere, comes across Nam Soo Hyun. And Nam Soo Hyun he does not want anyone else's money because that means that he owes them and it means they have power over them, which of course is exactly why June is doing what he's doing. He's using spending money on people in return for their attention, in return for their affections. And realistically, if Suhan was to accept money off June, then Suhan would owe June something. And what June wants is attention. So it is a transaction. It's not anything more than that. It's very interesting. So, of course, June meets a Nam Soo Hyun. Nam Soo Hyun is uninterested. He's not charmed by June. He doesn't care. He doesn't have time for him. He just keeps saying, go away. Please go away. Please stop talking to me. I don't want you near me. And then, of course, June is trying to spend money on Soo Hyun. You know, he'll see Soo Hyun in trouble and he will try and help him but through helping him, there is this level of buying him. And Suhan is horrified by that and absolutely pushing June away. So June, I think, becomes completely fucking obsessed with gaining Nam Suhan's. I don't know. He doesn't just want his affection. He he wants something real. Like, and that's what I think is so interesting about June. He's not a bad guy. It's not that he's trying to manipulate everyone. It's that he is so starved of real affection that he doesn't even know what love is. And he's so desperate for it that he is looking for it in these weird ways that don't necessarily work. And, you know, Suhan really kind of calls him up on it and he's like kind of saying to June, like during the initial kind of interactions between them, you know, like, what does it matter if you come across me, you know, one person at uni who doesn't like you, like your life will be the same. It will keep going. You will be successful. You'll be whatever you're going to be. Even if I don't like you, it makes no difference to you. Like, leave me alone. But June cannot leave Nam Suhyun alone. Um, and so the whole drama is basically just June slowly <laughs> wearing down Nam Suhyun's defenses. And eventually, you know, Nam Su- there's all this push and pull. is like, you know, can Suhyun accept you know, help. Can he accept money? He can't. He has to give it back, even if that puts him in the worst situation. He can't owe anyone anything. Um, And, you know, for June, his friendship and this relationship that forms with Suhan, with the one person who won't accept his money and who won't be charmed by the fact that he's so charming and nice, you know, it does in a way teach him what real friendship needs to be and what real 
connection needs to be below, you know, or beyond the surface of, you know, who's able to help who with money and who has that sort of power in the relationship. So that whole progression was extremely interesting and very, I want to say hard one. Like it doesn't feel like an easy journey between these two guys, like getting Nam Suhan to crack open his shell is insane. Like it's just every time you think you've taken a, like a step forward, you feel like you go back three. Like he is impossible to break open because he is, you know, so damaged in his own way. Like, I don't want to say damaged. He, it's different. Like June has this trauma. He is completely broken and damaged deep down inside. While Suhan is living in a hell every single day. Like he is a man who you feel like he is hanging on by his fingernails and at any second he could just fall and that would be the end of him. Like there are moments in this drama where he says things where you're like, you just don't know if he will survive what he's going through. Like if he gives up, he's done. And giving up for him, I think, you know, is as dark as potentially taking his own life. Like it's very scary, dark stuff with him. And every single second for him is this living in this hell. Um, so to kind of get, get beneath those defenses is not easy. But again, for June, you know, he has his own kind of stuff going on as well, which I think the drama explores a little bit later. So yeah, very fascinating stuff. And of course, you know, there's extra characters, there's some fucking stupid bullies in there, and there's some different love lines going on and just kind of campus kind of stuff. But for me, that fascinating push and pull of the relationships is what is what makes this drama, I think, a little bit different to other things that I have seen within this kind of youth drama coming of age genre. Um, and I really, really liked it. I thought it was very, very interesting. All right, so I'm going to move on to some stuff I love, even though I feel like I talked about a lot of it already. <laughs> All right, so stuff that I loved. I have scribbled down some mad notes here, almost as mad as all the men's hair in this drama combined. So we'll see if I can decipher it. Uh, so the first thing I loved, I think it'd be no surprise to anybody, um, was Ban Hyok. I think Ban Hyok is excellent. I've liked him so much in everything I see him in. Look, he is he's a very handsome man, I admit it. He definitely is. Um, but his character, Nam Sukhan, in this was so interesting, but certainly very much so designed to tug on my heartstrings. I think I particularly, like, I know it. I think I have something about that. There's something about this kind of character type, I suppose, that in dramas, when there's a rich one and there's a poor one, I always find myself, you know, my heart bleeds for the poor one. That's just, I don't know. I don't know why that's what happens. And it's very interesting because this drama has that, you know, classic rich boy has all the money and wealth but doesn't have you know love although in this this drama goes further than that he has he doesn't have love but he has plenty of trauma <laughs> gosh um but I guess yeah for me I do tend to go for these you know look I go for the poverty stricken ones and this dude is fucking poverty stricken and it is it really really hurt my heart to kind of follow along on Nam Han's day-to-day hellish existence and watch him just hanging on 
So I found him very interesting, just this idea of a character who is from the outside, seems so put together, seems so in control. But as those layers kind of get peeled back for the viewer, you realize that his entire existence is just around survival and he's barely hanging on. Um, I really loved the whole thing with him about that push and pull between accepting help or not, you know, and what does it mean to be in a position where you can't handle something yourself and someone gives you help and what does that mean? What do you owe that person? What do you lose? What level of agency and control over your own life do you lose and do you owe them? I just thought that was such an interesting kind of conversation around this character. Um, There's a lot of points in this drama where he says stuff about, you know, about, I guess, not being sure if he can last, like this idea of potentially, you know, dying and stuff. It was just really intense and really upsetting. And there were points where he would say something, like I think there's a hospital scene, um, and he kind of says something about living in hell. And it's very scary what he says a couple of times in this drama. And I feel like... (laughs) Some of the characters around him, namely June of the Mad Hair, hears, hears Nam Soo Hyun say this stuff that sounds extremely terrifyingly fatalistic. And I feel like June is just like, la di da di da, I've got the best best friend in the whole world. I'm so happy. And I'm like, June, you do not understand what's going on. Like, you need to fucking save this man. He does. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so. Also, I think because he does, so Nam Soo Hyun does seem so in control throughout the drama, even though he's in this very difficult position, he's so kind of, you know, he's not a hugely emotional dude. There's not a lot of smiling at all, which is sad because Ban Hyuk does have nice dimples when he smiles. But anyway, um, so, you know, he's just very stone faced. He's very closed off. And that, I think, makes it all the more intensely moving and painful when you get these scenes of him breaking down like and his emotions coming out so one particularly is you know he he loses this job and then he gets kicked out of his house and this happens and that happens and finally he's working in the cafeteria at university on campus and he's allowed to like sleep in this little shitty storeroom or whatever and then because of you know the circumstances of I don't know some stupid bullies or some shit I can't even remember hated those guys uh, he gets fired and he loses his house and then you know June happens to see this but um, Nam Soo Hyun doesn't know that June is there so Nam Soo Hyun goes back you know, in this empty cafeteria, like it's all the lights are off and the manager's gone and he goes back to his little storage room and he just sits there and he breaks down crying. And June sees, and not that Nam Soo Hyun knows, he just thinks he's by himself, which makes it all the more, I think, sad and painful. It was a scene that really kind of got under my skin. It was, it was full on. So I loved everything about his character and his storyline and all of it. It was great. (laughs) Um, So like I said, I really liked June because I found him to be fascinating. I don't think his character type was as like immediately going to work for me. Just maybe that's a personal taste thing. Maybe it was his insane hair. I don't know. (laughs) But the more I watched him, the more interested I became in this character and the contradictions of him. I loved the way the drama made him, his whole relationship with other people around 
money and charm and this give and take kind of idea that he has in his head, which I think he, you know, he must have been taught by his, his probably his awful dad. And I loved the fact that he was manipulative. I loved that he had this this vindictive streak, which, you know, gets ironed out. And as the drama progresses, you know that he wouldn't do things like that anymore. Once he gets real, um, you know, genuine, I guess, connections with people, he has no desire to be like that. And it's, it's a misstep by him. But I do love that the drama puts it in there because June is someone who has no experience with these kind of forming of connections with people. And I love that he makes this terrible mistake um, because it just felt very real. It felt like mm, that makes sense to me with the way that he's grown up. And it was very interesting. So like I said, I think my favorite thing about the drama other than Ben York and his character <laughs> was the main themes. Like, you know, there's a huge theme in here around past trauma, which I guess it's, it worked. Um, it worked surprisingly well, I thought, with June. Like once we finally find out what's going on with his crazy asymmetrical head brother and, you know, his dad. And it was actually a lot more compelling, the conclusion of his trauma, than I thought it was going to be. Sobin has her own trauma, which I thought was less moving than everybody else's in the entire drama and personally could have been taken out. I guess I'll talk about that at some point. Um, but, in, you know, in the whole past trauma and bad things happening to characters is, I think, something that is explored in in K-dramas hugely, right? Like, it's explored all the time. I like it. It's always interesting. I think, I don't know, I can see this, you know, rich boy with a trauma. I've seen that so many times in a K-drama, and yet it still continuously manages to move my heart. Um, I think that K-dramas sketch this stuff out so well, I think, really in an emotionally moving way. So I liked all that stuff, but I was still like, you know, whatever. That's something I'm used to. K-dramas always do that stuff and always do a good job. But for me, the theme around can people truly be friends across like the divide between truly rich and truly poor? Like, can you really have a friendship on equal footing or does the person with money have power in that relationship? That was something I don't think I've ever seen before. And it was something that made me interrogate how I feel around those things. And I still don't know how I fully, like fully, fully feel about it in the long term. But I really liked everything this drama said about it. And I thought it was a very thoughtful and interesting kind of discussion on that particular theme that I'd never seen. So kind of in relation to that idea, I guess. Um, so there was this one particular scene, well, there's many, but there was one that I really, really liked. At this point in the drama, June is very much so kind of inserting himself into Nam Soo Hyun's life. Like he's calling him all the time. He's just turning up. It's a little bit stalkery. I'm going to say it, but I also, I don't hold that against June because I get how desperate he is. And that makes him very interesting. But also he's totally stalking Nam Soo Hyun. <laughs> Poor Nam Soo Hyun is trying really hard to push him away. So at this point, Nam Soo Hyun is working multiple jobs. He's also working a night shift, like night road construction job. So he's working all night, like a however, eight, 12 hour shift. I don't know. Um, also working in a convenience store and then going to university during the day. So He's fucked, basically, and I'm pretty sure he, I think he has somewhere to live that the construction people are giving him and it's just, you know, a shithole or whatever. 
So he is overworking and we see him, you know, on the construction roadside. He gets a call from June and June's just asking him, I don't even know what, probably something very silly that in like, you know, contrast to the experience that Nam Suhan is having at that exact moment is very frivolous <laughs> and probably doesn't matter. And Nam Suhan, like he always does, is like, please stop calling me. Please go away. Please leave me alone. But once he hangs up the phone, um, he collapses from exhaustion at his job and he gets carted off to the hospital. And the hospital staff obviously call whoever called him last, which happens to be June. So June you know, he's so desperate to be close to Nam Suhan that he like literally, you know, just his face goes white, whiter than it already is underneath that peroxide hair. He's very washed out. I think the hair just doesn't suit him. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sorry. If you really love him and his hair, please, um, please forgive me. It's just my personal, my personal feelings. Like he's a very cute man, but yes, it was just personal. So anyway, uh, you know, he runs off to the hospital and he's freaking out. But when he gets there and Suhan wakes up and, and Nam Suhan, you know, he kind of sees Nam Suhan sleeping and he's like calling out for his dad and crying. Like it's pretty intense. And when Nam Suhan finally wakes up and, you know, he's kind of like, well, who paid for this, you know, flash room that I'm staying in? What's going on? And June, of course, I found it really interesting. You know, he doesn't exactly read the situation. He's just so pleased to be there, so pleased that he's finally done something for uh, for um, Suhan. But of course, what he's done is paid a lot of money for this room, which, you know, June thinks is great. He thinks that by doing this, he's creating a connection between them. He's creating a connection that Nam Suhan won't really have the ability to break. And in a way, June is creating purposely a situation in which Nam Suhan will owe him something. I don't know if it's fully, fully intentional. I mean, he got called there. He didn't mean to get called to the hospital. But I do feel that there's almost this smugness around him being so pleased that now there's something between them. You know, he's not just a stranger anymore to Nam Suhyun. He's someone who has paid for his hospital room. And I just loved this moment of June being slightly, you know, excited by this. Like he feels like it's a step forward in becoming close friends with Nam Suhyun. But Nam Suhyun sees this as like the fucking end of everything because now he owes June a lot of money, like so much money that Suhan has to give up his house and get his like rent deposit or whatever and give it to June. Like for Suhan, who is living on the edge, it's like, do I give up university or do I give up where I live to pay this man back? Like it is just such a huge, it's just awful thing and so he freaks out and he gets really really angry and again it's a really good moment because he's been so contained and controlled and just you know holding everything back for so long so I really really liked that scene I thought it was really good um, but it was really interesting because this is the point where you really see what I guess Nam Suhan feels that it means to owe money to somebody else. And for him, I feel like it means a loss of independence, his own control and agency over his own life. It means this power imbalance between these two men. He's no longer on the same level as June. He feels like he's a level below. And, you know, that's not what he and that's not what June's intention is. But 
unintentionally that is what June does to Nam Suhan in this moment and it's like you know that whole thing in k-dramas I feel like they say it as a you know as a derogatory insult a lot you know you're a beggar and I get the impression from k-dramas that you know that's it's not something that people would ever kind of throw around as an insult in my own culture, but I've watched enough K-dramas to understand what that is considered, I suppose, as such an intensely shameful thing. And you get the impression that everything Nam Suhan is doing is to try to avoid being in that position, to be what others would consider or could accuse him of being a beggar. Um, it's all very interesting. Um, so I also liked, what have I got? Oh, so it was really interesting for me. I guess I really liked the way this drama made me kind of self-interrogate some of my own feelings and maybe prejudices around this theme of the rich and the poor. And I thought that was really interesting. Like, I think that, I don't know, like that idea of do... <laughs> Does June, who has this terrible family situation, is his life really as hard as Nam Su Han's, who has, you know, he has love, but he has all this responsibility and he's living in complete poverty? Like, whose situation is worse? Like, in your opinion, when you're watching it, you know, do these boys have it equally as bad? And the whole way that I was watching it, I felt very squarely on Nam Su Han's side. I felt so sad for him and I felt like June was being very oblivious to the situation. And of course, you know, he's grown up differently. How could he fully, fully understand this other side of life if he has never experienced it or even seen it? But I guess I was very much like, no, Nam Su Han has it worse because you feel like he's experiencing hell every day, all the time. Whilst June, by getting this opportunity to go to university, is able to be free from his home life. And now he has money and this situation to have fun and make friends and, you know, get a girlfriend and go on dates and do things that Nam Su Han absolutely cannot do. But then the drama kind of flipped my perceptions of of it all, I guess, over um, by going, I suppose, into that past trauma and in more depth and the relationship between June and his brother and what happened all those years ago when his brother protects him from, you know, getting physically bashed up by his dad after, you know, he already has, but it's, and it's fucked. And it was really interesting because it did make me reset my whole kind of feelings around it and kind of brought me, I think, to what the drama is trying to say, I think, which is both situations are shit. <laughs> They're just different, that's all. Um, but, you know, it's not like maybe June has it easier in the day-to-day, -day, but he's carrying around something that is just unbearable, like completely unbearable. And I think the drama did such a good job of making me kind of realized that maybe I was judging him a little bit and I thought that was kind of really cool I don't know I think that's why I like I like k-dramas so much because I think because they do focus so much on relationships and and interactions between people and emotions like it really gives you or me I suppose you know I love writing so I love to interrogate 
these kind of complicated interactions between people to try and understand what these things mean. And I feel like I learn so much from watching K-drama all the time that makes me understand like humans better. <laughs> and it's these things where I think you often don't think about this kind of stuff. You just go through your life, but you might hold a certain idea around something or even a prejudice around something. And then you can watch you know, maybe a K-drama that delves in deep and twists everything around so you can examine it from every angle and you start to realize your own feelings around it as well as examine it in a different way. And I think it can be really eye-opening um, or just about humanity and people. I don't know, that sounds kind of silly, but uh, yeah, I really love K-dramas. They're the fucking best. Um, and I really liked all that stuff in the end. I found it a very satisfying conclusion to June sort of facing his trauma. I found it very, I felt like it really worked and it was much more moving than I expected it to be when I was watching the drama and was so squarely on Nam Soo Hyun's side in their push and pull. So it really changed my perspective, I think. Um, so yes, uh, that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, it was great. I loved all that stuff. So that's it for the stuff I loved and I'll move on now. <laughs> all right. So stuff that I didn't love quite as much about at a distance, spring is green. Um, so this is kind of confusing. So it's half I loved it and then I didn't love how it ended. But I was really into um, Nam Soo Hyun's best friend um, who is crushing on him hardcore. So this is played by the actress Kwon Eun Bin and her character's name is Yong Ran. So Yong Ran is at university. Um, she is studying, I think, physical education and she's like a mad uh, taekwondo fighter person she's really tough she's gorgeous she's cool as fuck and she's totally crushing on him and he obviously is friends with her they've been friends forever but he is you know he doesn't have a lot of space in his life for anything and you know there's moments where she finds out that he's homeless and has lost his home and she'll try and sort of ask him and he'll just be like no everything's fine like you know why would you even ask everything's wonderful um so he just doesn't share anything with her and I think he's embarrassed to like throughout the drama you have no idea what his feelings are towards her um, but I was so hoping, I was hoping for them to get together in a crazy way because I liked both of them so much and I liked the friendship. But, you know, Suhan has this issue with not accepting help and they can't really be together unless he lets somebody in and lets somebody help when he needs help. Um, so it's a very kind of complicated thing between them, I suppose. Um, but in saying how much I loved it all, I completely didn't understand why it ended, like their their whole, you know, does he like her or not? I just didn't get how it ended. And I, because I felt like the whole thing, you know, the whole push and pull with her was, can she get up the guts to confess her feelings to him after all these years? Like, can she do it? And, you know, it's all done to coincide with this other girl who's also crushing on him, who does do it. She gets rejected, but the idea is she was brave enough to express herself and what a wonderful thing that is. And I agree. What a great thing. What a brave thing to do. Um, and so Yong Ran, it's all like, can she do it? Can she get up the guts? And so finally... She puts herself out there. She gets up the guts. You feel like she's going to do it. But she never actually says to him, I really like you. Do you like me? 
Instead, she sits next to him and says, so I, like, I don't even know what she says. She just basically is like, I know you don't like me, so I'm going to kind of stop seeing you for a little while. And I feel really upset about it. And he just doesn't say anything the entire time. And so I'm like, you didn't give him the chance. You didn't, you didn't really, that's not a confession. (laughs) I don't understand because it seems so strange. It seems so contradictory to what the drama was trying to tell us about expressing yourself and being brave and making that confession. If you want to make it, she never gives, she never properly confesses. She never gives him a chance. And we understand at this point that he did used to really like her. He, you know, he says this at some point in the drama, but that he, has all this responsibility on his shoulders and he can't afford to take her out and do anything that normal couples are meant to do. And therefore he feels that he can never, that he couldn't bridge that gap and he couldn't approach her and he couldn't request her love because he didn't feel like he had enough to offer her. And I was like, if she likes him, as if she's going to care about those things. Like if she truly likes him, which she clearly does, she knows his situation. She's known it for years. And she says, you know, when she kind of doesn't confess to him, she's like, you know, next time you like someone, you know, make sure you, you tell them and you give them the chance to, to be with you, whether you think you deserve it or not. And I'm like, I don't understand why they're not getting together. Like it didn't make sense to me. Because there's this scene just a little bit earlier in the drama where they're all hanging out at a campfire and Nam Soo Han, you know, they have to drink or something if there's someone there that they like and he drinks. So it is an outright confession that he likes someone who is sitting in that circle. And at that point in the drama, we do not know who it is. Another thing I hated is that none of his close friends asked him about it ever again. So we've got June, who's just like getting up in Nam Han's business at every moment. And June never once sit, you know, they're living together at this point, never even goes and sits next to Suhan and is like, hey, so you remember that time you said you liked someone? Who is it? And that seemed crazy because they really have some in-depth conversations about literally everything else at every point. Ever. So I thought that was really, really fucking weird that no one ever brought it up again. And then it was really weird because, you know, Yong Ran seems to believe that Nam Su Han liked her in the past. Well, who did he like when he was at the campfire? Was it not her? Was it someone else? I got the impression at the end, like I, I was terrified towards the end that maybe it was actually the female lead Sobin, which would have broken my heart. I didn't want Nam Su Han to have to go through liking someone who was clearly you know, already in love with someone and had a boyfriend. But then I thought at the end, oh, it must have been Yongran that he did like. But then I don't understand why she didn't, I just don't understand why she didn't confess properly. I think that's what I don't understand. You know, it, it would have been okay to me if he'd rejected her, but I just felt like I couldn't, it didn't make sense to me that she just didn't say what she was meant to say. It was really weird. And then that made me kind of think about when Sobin goes and confesses to her childhood love, Chanki, you know, which June kind of manipulates so it goes really badly. And I was thinking about the fact that Sobin knows that Chanki has been dating people on and off since forever, that he's a total playboy. And her whole thing was to finally confess 
or break free of this cycle that they're in. And so she goes there and she never gets a chance to confess because he's having dinner with a lady um, and she's upset because she thought that he you know, wasn't with anyone at this point. And it turns out he isn't with this person, it's his ex, but obviously, you know, maybe they're still mucking around or whatever, I don't know. Um, and so Sobin immediately is furious and she cuts him off. She's so embarrassed and I get it, but she cuts him off and starts pretending that she's dating June. And so once again, you know, within two minutes, basically, Chan Ki's like, I don't want to lose you. Actually, I really love you. I think we should be together. You're the best thing ever. And he's crying and it's all very, it seems genuine to me. It seems like, you know, maybe someone who's been best friends with someone and has known she was crushing, but he didn't want to ruin things or he was too busy having fun with other people. But now it's come to the crunch. He does love her. He's in love with her. So then I was just so... It was kind of weird because I guess Sobin never really gave Chunky a chance to, because he basically confessed to her immediately upon her confessing to him and then it going badly and her walking off. Anyway, I just thought it was really strange. I felt like the drama kept having weird confession scenes, I suppose. I don't know. I thought it was weird. Um, I really didn't like the bullies and I didn't care much for that whole thing. I didn't care about them and I didn't care about their redemption stories and I didn't care. They were boring. Um, and I've just said here, and I think I've already said it, so I probably won't kind of go into as much detail, but I, so I did like Sobin. Um, I thought she was very sweet and I just don't think I fully connected with her. I think there were moments I really liked. I liked, you know, when she gives the presentation. Um, I enjoyed all the kind of initial interactions around her having the crush on her best friend and then getting with June. And when she gets with June, you know, it's very swoonworthy and nice. And I did like their kind of friendship that forms. But then I think once these two get together, I feel like she really gets kind of sidelined because every time June, every time that June goes through something really emotional and intense, it's Nam Su Hyun that he goes and talks with about it. It's Nam Su who helps him. It's always Nam Suhan who connects with him over these different problems. And it's not Sobin to the point where this huge thing happens with June at one point. I can't even remember what it was. It's this huge revelation. I think it's, it's that his dad, you know, abused him as a kid and bashed him up. And he has a huge conversation well, I think that's what it was. Maybe it was a different revelation. Anyway, I can't remember. But June has this huge like conversation with Suhan about it. And we never see the scene where he has a conversation with Sobin or even tells her about it or she even confronts him and is like, hey, so you said this big thing. Do you want to talk about it? Like, I'm your girlfriend. And I was like, that's weird because <laughs> it just disconnects you from their relationship while dragging you deeper into the relationship between June and Suhan. You know, I'm going to say it to the point where you're like, should should she be in this? Maybe these boys should just get together and just, you know, be done with it. It's kind of, you know, I feel like when I did a slight, even tiny bit of Googling about this drama, there are so many like uh, YouTube videos and stuff. And I'm sure there must be a thousand million fan fictions about these two boys because, you know, you can read it as friendship or whatever, but like it was more important in the drama. 100%, I think, than Sobin was. But also it was more interesting as well because they just dig deeper into their relationship. Um, About Sobin as well, one thing I kind of thought 
was, I, you know, she has this trauma or whatever, which gives her panic attacks and, you know, the idea of people looking at her is really intense and frightening. And, you know, June sort of resolves her, <laughs> I don't know, 20-year emotional trauma in one afternoon trip to a playground. And I was like, hmm, I feel like, I feel like that trauma, like if it's a proper thing, I just, I just don't know if it would have been so easy. So I felt that that was a little bit quick. And I think for me, that spoke to the fact that her character and her character's inner world just wasn't as important in this story as June's and Nam Soo Hyun's, which is fine. It's just that I feel like they kind of pretend it is as important by billing her quite high and having her on screen a lot, even though really emotionally I wasn't connecting to her in the same way. She just wasn't as carefully, I guess, written out. Does that make sense? Um, and then the other thing I didn't love was everyone, all the dudes hair, <laughs> all those dudes hair. Yeah. All right. So the end of the drama, um, was okay. It was fine. I didn't like, I didn't have a problem with it. I felt happy. I was so happy to have watched it. And, but I still felt like there was a few things that were unresolved in a weird way where I felt like the drama was kind of trying to pretend it had this big happy ending. But I was like, well, what's Sobin going to do next year when uni finishes? Like, I don't feel like they resolved that kind of plot point. I'm not sure that she's going to, what job? Like, I think things are going to be hard in the same way that she was so stressed about at the start. But it's like, now she's not stressed about it, but it's the problem's still there. And I also felt that a little bit with Suhyun as well. Um, because, you know, the whole drama is this, you know, he doesn't have any money and it's completely debilitating him and making it so that he, he has a severe lack of choices around his future. And then, you know, eventually he's at this point where he has to quit uni because he needs a certain amount of money to give to his mum, And he finally accepts a place to live and help from June. And then he lives with him for a while and it's great. But then I feel that Suhan pays June back the money and quits school and goes back to the country to live with his mum for a while. Like I think for a while, I guess he's still planning to go back to school. But then I feel like I guess I guess the progression and the satisfying ending is that he accepted someone's friendship. And, you know, he still doesn't want to take June's money. He wants to take June's friendship and help and help is different to money like I suppose so but at the same time I felt like and I guess that's what happens with a slice of life drama though isn't it it's, you know there is no ending because life goes on <laughs> how do you end that satisfactorily like you can't really because there's always going to be more problems in the future so I feel like Nam Soo Hyun and uh, Kim So Bin will both face problems in the future and I feel like June June's kind of story was much more satisfactorily wrapped up like I feel like he's gotten over he also, I feel like there'll still be residual issues but I feel like he has really faced up to the worst trauma that he's ever experienced and now he can begin living his life so that did feel like a happy ending but for the other two I was like shit they're gonna have trouble next year <laughs> but anyway that's fine it's just a slice of life Alright, so that brings me to the end of my mad waffle about at a distance spring is green. So what I loved the most was Nam Soo Hyun's character 
Ban Hyuk, uh, the actor, of course, um, but also that theme. All that stuff I waffled on about was fascinating. The relationship between the two guys was fascinating. It was really cool. Uh, what I hated the most was every man's insane hair. All of them. What what mad hair. Uh, and that's it. That's it from me. Thank you so much for listening to me and my enormous waffle. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> me to the very end of this week's show thank you so much for listening to me waffle on about k-drama and i hope you'll join me again next week for some more waffling as always an enormous thank you to my patreon supporters who support this show you guys are the absolute best and i so so appreciate your support um thank you everybody and i guess i'll see you next week but probably not see you because this is a podcast all right <laughs> bye